how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. Holly Sorensen got her start writing for magazines after a series of odd jobs. At Premiere, she rose to senior editor and got what she described as a graduate course in Hollywood. She's best known for her work on teen dramas like Make It or Break It and Recovery Road, but she's recently signed on to be the showrunner for YouTube Red's first drama series, Step Up High Water, which is loosely based off the dance Step Up franchise that began with Channing Tatum and Jenna Dewan Tatum. In this interview, Sorensen describes her advice from William Goldman, the truth about the infamous Hunter S. Thompson letter, and how to write inspirational work for young adults. I think um, most writers kind of always want to be writers. It's kind of, you know, it's it's not only what you do; it's sort of who you are. And I think most writers know that at a fairly young age, and I sure did. But I grew up in. Uh, Montana, and I just never, it never occurred to me that that was actually possible. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. um, it just was not, a, it, it did not even enter the realm of possibility. I mean, so to this day, I'm stunned when I go into a Starbucks and see college students writing their novels. Like, <laughs> that, like, it was the furthest thing from a possibility for me. And that was secretly incredibly frustrating for me. I like, you know, um, I carried that with me for a long time. And so I did a whole bunch of crazy, crazy jobs in my twenties, um, and traveled around a lot and, um, uh, and basically did everything but writing. I mean, I didn't really even journal or anything like that so much. Um, <clears throat> but it turns out that that kind of stuff is really good if you're going to be a writer someday, is to have lots of adventures and meet lots of different kinds of people. And um, and the truth is, it 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 the the thing that launched me into magazines was I read where Ms. Magazine was going to stop taking advertising, 
mm-hmm. um, which was a really big deal at the time that they did it. Mm-hmm. There was, yeah, I mean, it was Consumer Reports. I think was the only magazine that didn't take advertising because you know they were taking cosmetic ads and you know they just made this public declaration that we're going to publish what we want to publish completely independently of money, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. that I found really exciting. Um, so I applied to be an intern there. And um, and uh, I got accepted. I was living in Minneapolis at the time, and I moved uh, I moved back to New York, which I I'd li- I, I went to right out of college, and I started working there. And then it kind of just happened that the I mean I was super broke, and the only thing people would pay me to do was to write or to work in magazines, like. The dream kind of came and tackled me. Do you know what I mean? I didn't go pursuing it. It was just, <clears throat> it was just kind of my, you know, it felt like kind of an inevitable conclusion. Um, so I ended up at um, Premier Magazine as an assistant, and you know, rose through the ranks um, to be senior editor. And in that time, I just basically got a um, a graduate school course in Hollywood. I mean it. You could not get a better one. At the time, Premiere was um, the only magazine of its kind. It was the first magazine to publish um, anything about the industry other than the trades. Mm-hmm. Um, so it covered the business of Hollywood, and it was also run by um, the people at the upper echelon of the magazine were, were some of the finest journalists in New York and L.A. So um, it was just a, a combination of getting a front-row seat to Hollywood and learning to write about Hollywood with the best writers, you know, around. I mean, it, it was, you know, Susan Lyon and Cindy Stivers and Kim Masters and Chris Connolly and John H. Richardson and just really the best of the best. So um, it was an extraordinary opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as an assistant, I'd call Steven Spielberg and he'd call me back. He'd, he'd pick up my, my phone I mean, because we had that much power at the right. time. I mean, it was before it, it was before all the whole the whole wave of entertainment press that we have now, we were one of a kind and we were really good at what we did. So um, uh, from there, it was a pretty easy step. Um, I actually started producing. I still didn't think that I should be writing. Um, And I set up um, a movie with uh, Brian Grazier and set up a movie with Bob Simons. And the Bob Simons movie, we brought on two women to write one of whom became my friend and eventually um, my first writing partner on a whim. We wrote um, a script of an idea that I had been carrying around for a long time, and a really indie film, because I also um, come from the indie film world. And it got us our first agent, the agent I have to this day. And, um, and that's that. <laughs> uh, you mentioned an array of jobs, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I think I read this on Wikipedia, but I read that you, you know, were a personal shopper at one time in New York. You were a bartender at Wrigley Field, uh, even a cook in a kitchen. Um, if you could go back or if you could advise young people coming up, would you recommend that they also pursue all these different traits? And did you ever keep a journal or something to kind of keep these stories with you for later? I didn't. And I didn't keep a journal to keep the stories with me for later. And then um, through Premier Magazine, I got the great good fortune of meeting um, Bill Goldman because um, I got to edit some of his essays for the magazine. And he told me, please write down everything that's happening to you. You are going to hate yourself if you don't. And he meant just in the Hollywood part, mm-hmm. not the stuff that came before. And I ignored his brilliant advice as well. So uh, 
um, maybe someday I'll like meditate and see what I can conjure back up and um, and write it down. But no, I, and I'm just a big believer of of living a life and then writing. I just you know I see so much so much of the problem, especially in the feature world with up and coming writers, is their the life experience that they're calling upon to write is just other movies. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's why um, it feels so many young features just feel so derivative because that's, that is their, that's the groundswell from which they're creatively, you know, um, trying to make something happen out of. Yeah. That's really like the, the second half of the right, what you know, mentality, you need to go find something to learn about and do it and get those experiences first. Correct. Correct. And, um, and it's just nice to have your, your assumptions questioned and it's nice to be a stranger in a new place. And it's nice to, you know, observe people outside of your element and, um, and all of that stuff. Yeah. It's just, I, and you know, you certainly see with, um, with a lot of great writers and even screenwriters, the further they get away from that kind of life of adventure and the more they get into a sedentary, luxurious lifestyle, the less interesting their work can often become. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about two of your shows. Um, Make It or Break It follows Teen Olympic Hopefuls. Recovery Road is more of a romance from recovering alcohol uh, addicts and things like that. Um, it's, it's kind of geared towards teens. Teens are a very important group, and you know, you're shaping their minds at this, at this stage. Um, there are also your shows kind of revolve around family and adversity. How do you think about creating content for teens? How do you balance inspiration, information, but also entertainment? It's a really good question. It's a really good question. Um, well, it's a, it's an honor to write for that age group, just flat out. Um, I kind of accidentally landed into it. I, my In my feature career, I was a comedy writer, mm-hmm. and I wrote one drama, and it was um, The Count of Monte Cristo with girls in New York, and it was called Revenge, (laughs) which is a a funny story. So um, um, from that script, I got blind deals both at um, the CW and at ABC Family, which Mm -hmm. was then ABC Family, not Freeform. Um, And uh, and it was drama, and it was about teen girls. So all of a sudden, after, you know, 15 years of writing, uh, big comedies. I sold Make It or Break It. The strike came. They wanted me to rewrite it as a movie, and I did. Mm-hmm. And then I sold them another project set in the fashion world, and um, I was on bed rest um, for a pregnancy, and they said, put away that project. We're going to make Make It or Break It, like, three years later. So, um, And they let me run the, run the show, which was also remarkable. So it, in the process, you know, um, Twitter was just coming up at the time of Make It or Break It, or really blowing up, I should say, and um, and it was extraordinary. Um, and and Facebook too was was more popular for teens at the time. Um, it was a big MySpace time too. But they, um, you got this extraordinary experience of um, understanding what their reaction was to your work almost immediately, and how it affected them and. Um, that's really humbling, mm-hmm. you know. It's really humbling to say, you know, when, when someone tells you, I told my mom about my bulimia because of your show or, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you you have to be, you, you want to be really mindful 
of the audience, and you also want to have it be real for them. It's balancing those two things that I think is really um, that's really the, the tricky part. Mm-hmm. So one issue that might fall into that category in the next few years, you may have already touched on it, is like cyberbullying, especially with teens and young adults. Um, on the Wikipedia and different websites, I've, uh, without getting too too much into this, I've read you got a pretty nasty letter from Hunter S. Thompson years ago about the rights to the rum diary. If this affected you at all, how did you handle it, or what advice might you have for those who get letters like this in their business or personally? Ah, uh, yes. Well, it was um, at the time it was a, it was really a thing for mm-hmm. sure. Um, the 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 truth that I know and his, you know, friend whose biographer knows, I I never spoke out about it, but um, Hunter and I were friends. Mm -hmm. Like, he sent me faxes like that every week, and (laughs) we talked on the phone a couple times a week, and, you know, it was like, you know, between he and I, he was like punking me. Um, So I was fine with Hunter. It was just the world that was um, (laughs) not particularly kind, because obviously he's so iconic. Right. and, uh, you know, it was particularly galling. I mean, Hunter was at a time in his life where his personal writing was very painful and difficult for him mm-hmm. for lots of reasons. Like, he had a hard time fulfilling his obligations as a writer. Um, he had a column for ESPN at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw him really struggle with that. Right. Um, in the meantime, in addition to being executive, I was a working screenwriter. Um, that's I was a working screenwriter the entire time I was an executive. So to have, for instance, written by the WGA magazine, <laughs> published the letter about me, a screenwriter, from someone who is not a screenwriter. Right. Um, you know, it, it was it was that like stuff like that frustrated me. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, I saw it as really good publicity for the project. I just had to be the victim of it. It sounds like that project would have been definitely something you're interested in, especially because he was someone who did keep living those experiences to write about them and things like that. Yeah, he did. Um, unfortunately, um, just got too far. With the it. chemical abuse was just right. so was so extreme that um, it, it just made it impossible. Mm-hmm. I think. So let's talk about your new project, Step Up High Water. Is is YouTube's first, you know, big budget original scripted drama. Uh, from what I've read, it's coming from the the movie franchise in a way. How did you kind of adapt that and make it your own? Well, um, when they called me to do it, I wasn't entirely sure that I um, it was a project that I wanted to do just because I had been working in the young people space and you know um, dance is very just different from gymnastics, but a lot of the same themes um, from Make It or Break It. Um, although there are themes that just you know call me, so that's why I end up I end up doing it. But um, I was really interested in in working for YouTube. However, mm-hmm. it, it, as as a network, it struck me as a really interesting place to be, and to be the first big show on a new network is kind of a, you know potentially once in a career chance. You know, it's a it's it, that's a big deal. So. Um, so I decided to start the, the process of talking to the the producers about it, and I told them what I now believe to be true, which is, um, tell me what you're looking for, and if something downloads, I'll call you back, and if nothing downloads, I'm not your your writer. Um, 
I'm, I, I don't sit and ponder and think about and research stuff anymore. If it comes to me, it comes to me. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, once it comes to me, I, I do shitloads of research after that point. But I don't, I, don't force an, I, I don't force an idea to come. I let sort of the projects choose me, if you know what I mean. So right. um, uh, and I honestly didn't think anything would download because I had not. By the time I, as, as I talked to them, you know, what they told me is they really didn't have a lot of guidance from the network. They uh, didn't think they wanted to use previous characters, and they um, they kind of wanted it to feel more like the first Step Up movie than the rest. Right. So um, what I told them at the time was, um, it's going to be more difficult than you think having having produced one of these shows before, you know, for a bunch of reasons. Just having um, having something like dance inside the production of a TV show. Is, is is really grueling and exhausting and a scheduling challenge and also um, and also dance is a genre that really has its happy place on film mm-hmm. it's a you know it's a subset of the sports genre and the sports genre has its happy place on film and it, you know historically in a in a two hour you know in a two hour structural format you know you have the underdog you know they build up to the big finish and they finish that's that's the genre right. so um it's incredibly rare to see it on tv you know you've had your you know brilliant friday night lights and you know in the deep olden days you know shows like white shadow um and make it or break it but they're few and really far between because um you've got to break apart the genre and put it back together in a different kind of way mm-hmm. um so uh and still make it satisfying so um that's what i told them and uh and i went on about my day i mean i knew i didn't want to do fame again i didn't want to dig up anything that had been done there too for and as i said i really honestly didn't think that it's, it was going to be my project, as mm-hmm. as tasty as the idea of of working with YouTube was, and you know doing this their, their first big swing was. Mm-hmm. But then, like it, literally the next day, I was reading where it's a thing for <clears throat> um, a lot of black rap stars and sports stars to give back to their old neighborhoods by mm-hmm. um, founding charter schools in um, in their own. You know, in their old hood. So LeBron James has one. I think Diddy has one, and mm-hmm. it's not just black people, but you know, people. You know, it's a thing. Right. So I just thought, what if someone really crazy and dangerous and utterly brilliant, like Kanye West, founded right. a school of art? <laughs> what would the Kanye West school of art look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, that just that that was an idea I was instantly excited about because. Um, it wasn't going to be Shakespeare and French horns. It was going to be fashion and branding and marketing and pop-up stores and um, and the whole swath of what modern creativity and celebrity is. And that is something that it, no one had done before. It's really looking at art from kind of that point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, once I had that idea, um, I was... I was on to something, and the other idea I had was um, my appreciation of the street dance scene in Oakland, California. So um, I set the show in Oakland, California. Um, I had all these characters that were that felt, you know, organic to Oakland, California, um, and I was really excited about the West Coast. Uh, music, design, dance, and especially movie scene at the time I was pondering the show. So at the time I was pondering the show, 
you know, the movie Kicks just came out and the movie Dope had come out the previous summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, what if we made it look like an indie film? Right. Again, that's my background. Um, and because one thing that I also knew for sure is that the show needs real stakes. Otherwise, people are just dancing for no reason, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, we, we weren't making La La Land. We, we needed a real show about real people, which is why the, the, the reality of Oakland and the historic, important dance scene of Oakland um, and all those other kind of visual influences really worked for me. So um, I got the job, and literally an hour later they said, we can't shoot in Oakland. We don't have any tax credits for California. So can you set it somewhere else? <laughs> Um, can you set it in Cleveland? And I'm like, I don't think I can set it in Cleveland. <laughs> so um, I said, we have to find a place we can shoot that has just as real and organic um, and historic, really, dance scene as as the one we were talking about before. And obviously the answer, you know, was Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you look at the, also the, the DNA of the Step Up movie franchise, I really tried to you know, as 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 radically different as High Water is from the other movies, and it is really different, um, both in style and in substance and in a lot of ways. You know, the 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 DNA of the Step Up movie franchise, which is the DNA of actually a lot of dance genre movies, is um, underdogs, squad goals, dreams. Um, all that kind of stuff, um, and, I, and I wanted to preserve it, but um, Step Up always took place in a second-tier city. It was never a New York, you know, L.A. thing. It was always a Baltimore or Miami kind of thing, right? So, um, so those cities were out, and you know, to keep the reality that was interesting to me to, to um, portray, I had to know everything I wanted to know about it. So I sat down with an indie writer named Haji, who's from Atlanta, who was my first hire, actually, and Mm -hmm. barfed out the whole pitch to him. I said, in Atlanta, is it like this or like this? In Atlanta, would it be like this or like this? (laughs) And he was was really helpful. Um, And then I read a lot about Atlanta, which I didn't really know anything about. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I'm madly in love with Atlanta. It's It's my favorite place. It definitely sounds like it's open with that spark you had about, you know, giving back to the community for possibly celebrity guests in the future and things like that as well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've had we've had some um we've had just even in season 1 some really fun cameos, um Save Young Glover um for an episode which was really utterly fantastic. Um uh a young hip hop artist named Cody Shane. I don't know if you know her. She uh, does a cameo. And she's absolutely fantastic. She's a really, really good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I feel like we've had, we've had others too, even in the season. But yeah, I mean, the potential is certainly there. But the 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 you know the character of Sage Odom, who who finances the school, is not just you know your your kind benefactor. Um, you know, I, I pitched the theme of the show as danger right. because, you know, dreams are dangerous and he's dangerous. And um, it's it's not, you know, um, this is not Miss Debbie Allen, um, who delightfully directed episode two and is just a, such a fantastic goddess of a human being. Um, but it's a, this is another another kind of situation. I mean, it's not 
I really feel like it's not really a show about the school high water. It's really a, a show about um, um, celebrity and artistic culture in America right now. I've interviewed writers, uh, let's say there were uh, martial arts shows on AMC, and they talked about fight choreography where every fight should move the story forward. Is this also true for dance? Like, what are the dance um, scenes? Are they pushing the story forward? And how does it look like, what does it look like on the page? Is it just dialogue, and then you write in, there's a dance here, or do you describe it as well? Really, really good questions again. So, um, yeah, always must move the story forward, and I'd say in dance more than anything. I mean, I even said that in gymnastics with Make It or Break, and that even the gymnastics had to move the story forward. <clears throat> and in in, uh, in in Make It or Break It, I think I wrote, um, and there's a thumpity, thumpity thump here that should convey blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, in this, in, in um, High Water, we, um, we do the same thing. I mean, it's really... Um, what we mean by move the story forward is kind of different in each instance. So it could be, you know, it's everything from someone coming back to an injury to someone discovering a, a, a more deeper or more sexual part of their their um, creative life to um, someone having the balls to be in a competition um, to someone, you know, it's it's you know there's there's internal stories and there's external stories. I mean, there's external stories of two people competing for a spot. That's moving that story forward through dancing. But there's also a lot of instances of them of of a of a, of a dance moving someone's character forward or changing their character too, which is a totally internal thing. And so that is a function of. Um, sitting down with Jamaica or calling Jamaica Craft, who's our choreographer, and saying, um, and oftentimes they're musical moments too. So um, the great good fortune of really wanting to lean into the authenticity of Atlanta uh, made me choose Jamaica Craft, who's a great Atlanta-based choreographer um, who's done Usher and she's done Neo and she's, you know, she's an amazing, an amazing force of nature and a super creative woman. And, um, and Pooh Bear and his partner Jared to do to produce the songs. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, the music is as important to us as the dance. So we will. So th- there'll be a moment, and the moment will almost always include music, mm-hmm. and almost always include this dance. So we'll get the bra- brain trust of us, and also Jen Malone, who was the music supervisor on the show Atlanta, in addition to our show. We'll talk about if it's a song that Pooh Bear writes for us, if it's a song that Jen finds for us, um, and what that dance should be and what it should look and feel like. Um, and then Jamaica starts the choreography, and if I'm there, I get to see it. If not, they send me the video. Um, and and it's, you know, totally created um, collaboratively. It's and, and, I, and that process is really one of the funnest uh, parts of my job. Mm-hmm. Because um, I love music, I love music-driven things. I uh-huh. like, you know, so and I obviously dance is right. incredible, and being around dancers is is an amazing thing. Um, while working on these three different shows, have any of your beliefs, behaviors, or habits changed as a writer that have improved your style or anything like that? No, I mean, one thing about being a TV writer and especially like, you know, being the showrunner where you're responsible for getting that that script out exactly on time 
is you get far less precious about things like habits. You know, you, you, you can write anywhere all of a sudden. You know, you don't have to have that quiet office and your cup of chamomile tea. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you're writing in the fucking bathroom if right. the thing is due in 30 minutes. You know what I mean? So, so like, all that kind of goes by the wayside, and you learn to focus in a, um, just a really different kind of way. Uh, but show running is really, really, really hard, and um, it doesn't leave a lot of time for um, kind of side writing projects. Really, in the same way that um, I felt I could do when I was a feature writer, I, I, you know, I could still, you know, write magazine articles. I could still, you know, think about my novel. You know, um, it's you know, running a show and then recovering from running a show is right. is for me a full time job. But I'm not. You know, I'm not 25 anymore. So, <laughs> well, thank you for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to share about the film or the series? No, I'm just really excited for the world to see it. It's it's really special, and the and the actors are so fresh and so compelling to me. Um, you know, we we cast them all as dancers before we let them read as actors mm-hmm. because they all have to fucking dance, and right. boy, can they dance! So, like, because of that, we don't have any. Disney kids or, you know, kids have been in a lot of commercials or, like, it's an incredibly fresh um, group of of actors, Um, you know, other than Naya and Neo, who've who've done a lot. But um, I just, I can't wait for the world to see them. They're they're so special. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter, where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Kerry Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.